The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Not joined by my normal co-host tonight as Mark Schofield is on vacation with the family. So we have a very special guest as John Machoda has stepped in to uh, fill in the role. John, man, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Finally getting some football back to talk about. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, I know you're, you cover for the athletic, you do the about them Cowboys podcast, which comes out on the athletics feed. So you're, you've been around for a long time. You've been, at the big places, you've worked your way up, man. It's it's been a it's been a thrill to listen to you, watch you, follow the Cowboys. Glad to have you on the show and have you break them down a little bit with us. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And um, yeah, I'm glad to join you. Love talking about the Cowboys. So yeah, anything you got? We uh we both put out our 53 man roster prediction, so we're gonna get into that here in a little bit. Everybody's kind of done that over the last 24 to 48 hours, so um, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But man, I, I know you're. Teams back in Dallas, they've been in Oxnard. They, they went out to um, Denver to scrimmage the Broncos and then play the Broncos. Um, they're going to be coming back home. They're going to got the Chargers scrimmage coming up. Um, if Just to put you on the spot here, if there was one word to describe the Cowboys training camp and preseason so far, what would that be for you? Yeah, see, I don't think I can do one word for <laughs> I think I could do one word for each. For, for what I've seen from the preseason so far, it was undisciplined. Uh, for training camp, um, man, one word I'm trying not to be negative here. And when I mean negative, I don't mean about the team. I just mean the way that like, it's not even, it's not a Cowboys thing. It's just an NFL training camp right. thing. Uh, probably overrated would probably right. be the word. It just, they're just the, the, my big takeaway. I, I, I've told a lot of people in the last week is, you know, you can talk about the wide receivers or how Dak looks or what the defense is doing. And all of that can be great. But if the offensive line sucks, it right. really won't matter that much. And just what you see in training camp practices give you very little understanding of what you're going to see from an offensive line during a regular season, especially right now with the Cowboys. I mean, there was a time there when I was covering the team where, you know, you knew three or four of your pieces were going to be Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, 
Travis Frederick, Lyle Collins, like you were like, yeah, that unit's going to be good. They can roll. Um, and then now you're just in a spot where you're like, yeah, you feel good about Zach Martin. And then everything else is kind of, yeah, we'll see. I mean, if you tell me that, if you tell me Tyron Smith's going to play all season right. and, uh, and Tyler Biotish is going to make another step, um, and Terrence Steele is going to take another step, then I mean, I can, I can understand some growing pains with the rookie at, at, at left guard and Tyler Smith, but there's just a lot of moving pieces there that like, I've talked about this with other writers. Like I just, I find it interesting when people talk about watching these camp practices and talking about the offensive line and how they think the offensive line, you don't know, right. you have no idea what that offensive line is going to be until they go against the bucks in week one. Right. And, and I mean, that's been, like you said, like you can't dive too much into what you see in camp, but I mean, for the most part, like, I didn't make it out to Oxnard this year, but you guys have been there. It's like Terrence Steele struggled in camp because he's gone up against DeMarcus Lawrence, Michael Parsons, like Doran Sherman. He's, he's seen high level rushers. And I think that's what at first I thought the scrimmage practice against the Broncos, I thought Steele struggled quite a bit, but then in the preseason game, I thought he was much better. So that gave me a little bit more confidence in him. But like you said, you can't read too much into it until week one against the Bucks when you got Shaq Barrett and those guys lined up across them and the, the, the bullets are finally actually flying. Yeah. And, and when I go back to those previous offensive lines, I mentioned with, with Frederick and Martin and Tyron Smith and those guys in Lyle, like that was a very run first team with Zeke. And, and even before that with DeMarco Murray, and it could be cause you could put together these 10, 12, 13 play drives or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I just, from what I've seen from this team, from last year going into this year with the question marks in the offensive line, I think the offense can have success. I just, when I hear players and coaches talk about how they need to be run first again, man, that's, that's a little worrisome with this team just because of the fact that I don't know that you can go 12, 13, 14, 15 play drives with this team because of the penalties, because of issues on the offensive line. I think you're going to have to hit some home runs. You're going to have to hit some big plays like, like every NFL team is going to have to do, but particularly with this team, more so than in years past, because I just think there are so many question marks on the offensive line that if it isn't a guy missing an assignment, like we obviously saw some uh, in that first preseason game from guys that will be playing on Sundays, um, then it's a holding call, bringing back a nice run that like a Rico Dowdle had who that could be Zeke or Tony Pollard. So really the offense, you know, as much as you can, you know, you could talk about the wide receivers or the kicker battle and stuff like that. If you can tell me where the offensive line is going to be, I can give you a good idea of pretty much where this team is going to be. Yeah, and I mean, that's an excellent point because it frustrates me as somebody who believes that you almost have to be – the passing game is kind of what makes or breaks you nowadays. I mean, that's not a secret to anybody. But, you know, like like you said, like for years they could have those 10, 12-play drives. We'd watch it and we'd be like, man, this offense is just a juggernaut. You know, they can they can run you at six and throw you at five and score points. And But they did that last week in that preseason game, they ran the ball effectively, but the penalties and the lack of ability to finish in the red zone put up, you know, seven points in a game. So it's, it, it kind of goes to show you that the running game can be good, but that doesn't mean that you're going to put up the points in order to win the games. Um, and I, I think that we, not we, but people correlate physicality with running the ball effectively. And I don't think that that's something that goes hand in hand all the time. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like you see Tyler Smith. I mean, he certainly looks the part of strong physical guy. And, you know, I feel the same way about Tyler Smith as I feel about what I've seen in, in training camp practice from Jalen Tolbert. I think right. both these players are going to be good NFL players. It just, I don't know if they're going to be good right away. And the Cowboys need both of them to be good right away. And so, yeah, 
Tyler Smith, he's pancaking guys. You know, there's some questionable, you know, holding call on the one. The other one looked like it was pretty legit. But those are going to be kind of the growing pains you're going to have to deal with with a first-year starter because I still maintain I believe that he'll be their starter week one um, over Connor McGovern, even though McGovern continues to get the first-team reps. So I, I think you're just going to throw Tyler Smith out there. And, and, and the best thing you can hope for is that Tyron Smith stays healthy because if you have a healthy Tyron Smith next to him, I think that can alleviate alleviate some of the growing pains that you're going to get along the way there. Um, I mean, it would obviously would have been seamless if you can put uh, Tyler Smith in a, in a prime of his career, Tyron Smith on one side and a prime of his career, Travis Frederick on the other, but you know, that, that, that just doesn't happen. I don't put you on the spot again. I mean, we did our 53 man roster predictions. We didn't predict any sort of new additions or trades or anything like that, but man, like the offensive tackle feels like, if not for wide receiver or kicker, like offensive tackle is probably one of the top three, if not the top positions that you would almost expect them to do something at with the depth at offensive tackle. Yeah. I, and then that's when Matt, well, let's go. This was very early in camp where Mike McCarthy told us he was dealing with some shoulder issues and that surgery was a possibility. He already at that point, I was kind of like, Right. All right. Well, they're going to have to, they have to add event. And this is a team that had been doing that for several years, the Cam Flemings, the Cam Irvings, the Ty Nisekis. So you kind of felt like that was coming anyway. And that probably still is. They're probably just waiting for other teams to trim their rosters. Um, but now more so than you don't have a let's go ball didn't look great in that first game. Uh, he's obviously going to get a lot of playing time in these next two preseason games. And, and that'll help him because he didn't, wasn't able to get much as a rookie. So uh, that'll help. And, and, and I'm certainly not saying that Josh ball can't play in the NFL, but where he is right now, right. and I don't know about counting on him week one to be your swing tackle, uh, let alone week one. If you know, Terrence Steele rolls an ankle or Tyron has to come out for, for some plays and you're rolling Josh ball in there right away. That's changing your game plan dramatically. You want to have a veteran there. So yeah, that would probably be my favorite in the clubhouse would be adding an offensive tackle. If we're talking about players, not in the current roster, that would be one, two would be wide receiver. And then three would be uh, if they don't feel like that they have the right kicker, which I think they will. I think one of these guys will, will probably win the battle. And I'm not saying it'll be smooth all season, but I think they'll end up going with one of them and, and kind of see where it goes through the first few weeks and then reassess after that. But yeah, those three positions will be the, you know, cause you, know, you turn on any of these, uh, you know, national shows and stuff. They want to talk about uh, like Roquan Smith. Like, right. I don't understand why you go after Roquan Smith that's, after you hit, you added Anthony Barr. That's you know, the that's only a, position I feel great about on this yeah. team. Linebacker. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know, you hear about the Antonio Brown stuff. Obviously, he has his baggage. Stuff couldn't work with him right. and Tim, Tom Brady. Why would you expect that to work with the Dallas Cowboys? So you see these big names and you're just kind of like, no, nah, I don't see them going for that. Uh, I, it'd be more along the lines of like the level of a Ty Nasecki type player, sure. the level of somebody that's like a – third or fourth wide receiver on another team. It's not going to be anybody that's going to come in and try and, and be a, a, a one, two, or even a three. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm looking at more. So, but yeah, offensive tackle, I don't see how they can go into week one with the, with the current situation they have. Yeah. And that's just the biggest surprise to me. I mean, again, like you kind of said it when we started the show, like you hate to, you hate to always sound negative, but they did so many things to the roster this year that like, there's hard to find positives in it, you know, even though you can make the case, okay, they, they didn't love Lyle Collins. They, they didn't think he was trustworthy. They didn't, they didn't trust in him. They, they wanted to have a more tough player in Terrence Steele, a guy who was in the weight room, in the workout rooms, like balled in a little bit more. But, I mean, 
10 out of 10 times you take Lyle Collins on the team right now. And then your swing tackle depth looks fantastic, you know, and, and it just, it was a cap space move. It wasn't a cap space move, but it wasn't cap space moves because they did it because they didn't, they didn't believe in the buy-in, but they also knew they could save money by doing it. And when they didn't use that money, it just kind of takes you back to, would we rather have a lot better feelings about our offensive tackle depth right now, especially at a position where Tyron Smith continues to miss games every year, or would we rather have that extra cap space money to roll in the next year? And I, I think that's where the fans, people get killed for being negative, but I, I feel like that's where they have a gripe. Right. And, and the one thing I will say though, about this current coaching staff is that, you know, I know Mike McCarthy didn't have the say in players that he did uh, or he does now that he did in green Bay, but green Bay was notorious. And so to this day with finding these starting offensive linemen, right. third, fourth round that they, that maybe they didn't have immediate success, but they're guys that are now cornerstone pieces, really good players, pro bowl players for them. And so because of that, you know, I sit here and I try and give the benefit of the doubt to the Josh ball pick or the Matt will pick. Um, or them seeing, you know, what, you know, Tyler Smith that, you know, yeah, a lot of draft boards had him as a second round pick, but they felt good with him in the first. So you're kind of, it's, it's just a, a very big transition from a front office coaching staff combination that felt like they had to plug almost all their offensive line holes with high draft picks. And so now, you know, Mike McCarthy is really preaching this whole draft and development thing. Cause that's what they were doing in green Bay. And so I think he wants this time right now for Josh Ball, if Let's Go is healthy, to kind of, you know, come along and and kind of grow, Matt Farniak, guys like that. But at the end of the day, when it gets week one, if you don't think those guys can play on Sunday, you got to get somebody in here that you can count on that can at least be a veteran um, because you can leave the developing for another time. You have to win ball games. I mean, right. if you don't win ball games right now and you're Mike McCarthy, you're not going to have a job next year at this time. So, um, yeah. So I, I, like I said, I would be surprised if there isn't, there isn't some moves there to try and solidify that. But even with that, they just, they need that group. They need the Tyron Smiths and the Zach Martins and Beatishes and Terrence Steele's. They need those guys to stay healthy. If they start losing those pieces. Uh, yeah. I mean, the offense can be a lot of trouble. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I don't dive into some of our, we're not going to go player for player word for word in the 53s, but kind of just some of the things that we, uh, we were different on, um, Starting at the quarterbacks, you had Cooper. Hey, you had him keeping two quarterbacks, which I did as well. But I went with Will Greer. You went with Cooper Rush. Obviously, they're familiar with both. Doug Mus Nussmeyer, you know, has the the relationship with Will Greer. He's been with Cooper Rush. Um, you know, where where do you think you went with Cooper Rush? I went with Will Greer. Is that mainly based on the injury to Will Greer right now that you just haven't seen enough to really buy into him being quarterback too, or do you think that Cooper Rush is the favorite there? No, so it's just like a combination of things. So. Uh, obviously Greer with the groin injury that didn't help for him not to be able, cause he was going to play a lot in that game last Saturday. Uh, it looks like he was out there doing some stuff and that he can possibly play this Saturday. So that would be a good step for him. If you, uh, took their, uh, you know, Jersey numbers off and I didn't know which player was which, and they wore the exact same helmets and everything and went out there. If, and I'm just judging what I saw from training camp. Yeah. Will Greer has been the better player. Uh, the reason I went with rush is because, one, his relationship with Kellen Moore, who's going to have a major say in this. Um, and then the other thing is, is obviously how he played last year when they right. needed him in a pinch against Minnesota. Those things are going to stand up. Now, when I say that, I also expect him to play. He's going to play a lot in these next two preseason games, too. I thought that was that was very poor from his standpoint 
against Denver, like worse than what I was expecting, even with the new receivers, the offensive line he was working with and all that. I don't expect him to be that bad again. If he continues to be that bad and and Greer looks at least solid, then yeah, Greer's going to win the job. I think Rush is going to play better. And if it's close, I just think that Rush will get the job because of Kellen Moore, because of what they, you know, that what they were able to do last year when they needed to call on him. And it's kind of, yeah, it might be the boring pick, but it'll be kind of the safe thing that they go with. And, you know, I mean, I just, I don't see them keeping three quarterbacks on the roster. They just need those spots for other places. And so, yeah, they would love to have, you know, all three of them and then just see whatever. But uh, as of right now, I just, I give a slight edge to Cooper rush, but certainly would not surprise me if Will Greer ends up being the backup. He's done a lot of nice things at training camp when he was healthy. Yeah. And I know they kept three for, I can't remember if it was the full year last year, most of the year last year, but that was also Dak coming off an injury. Like they were in a tougher spot there where they thought maybe, Hey, if this doesn't go as planned, you know, if he gets hurt again, we didn't know how he was going to recover from that. So I get them going a little bit deeper at that position last year than they would this year. Um, the wide receiver position, we pretty much had it the same. You did a little bit different than I did. I just kept six and I kind of, I had Michael Gallup and James Washington on my 53. And then I, you know, made a abbreviation and said, Hey, if they end up going, I mean, do you, I want to ask you this because you were one of the first people who touched on this. I think people think Michael Gallup is going to come back sooner than he might. I mean, I, people are, you know, he, he came out and said, I'm not playing week one, but people are like, he'll be ready week two. And I'm more so like, let's see if he's ready week four or five. Where are you at on that? And do you think that there's a chance he does start the season on pup to give one of those Dennis Houston's or Cavante Turpin a, a roster spot? Yeah, I certainly think it's possible that he starts on pup. I've heard he wants no part of that. He, he thinks that he can come back before that. So I don't think it'd be week one or week two. I think maybe it's, it's week three or four. Cause I, you know, obviously you go to pop, then you're missing the first four for sure. I don't think he wants to miss that, but it could end up being one of those things where the Cowboys are like, it's going to just be better for our roster. If you right. do this, it'll give you even more time so that when you get back, we know that you're, you're all the way back. Uh, or at least close to being all the way back as you can be. Cause I also maintain, I don't think Michael Gallup's going to be all the way back only one year removed from an ACL. Like I think you can be a good receiver still, but I think it's going to be, it, it's one of those things where you're a full another year away from it. Um, but I still think he'll be a good player and, and, and certainly somebody that can be a huge factor, uh, you know, for Dak on down the field stuff, red zone, things like that. But um, yeah, it would not surprise me if he starts on pop. I just, I've heard that he wants, he wants to give every chance he can, uh, to avoid that. So we can play maybe week three, week four. Uh, so that's one reason. Yeah. I mean, you got to have him on there so then you can move him, but yeah, obviously if he was healthy and James Washington was healthy, I wouldn't have kept eight wide receivers in my initial right. 53. It's just to move those guys over. Uh, then you keep six. I don't see how they go less than six at wide receiver um, just because they're going to need these bodies in those first two games without Washington and Gallup. So I just had that moved over and really I could see those spots being filled by, like we had mentioned earlier, a, a veteran offensive tackle from another team that they make a move for. Right. Right. So those, you know, say they move Washington, um, the three names that kind of circle are Cavante Turpin, Dennis Houston, and then TJ Basher. Um, I mean, it, it sounds like Turpin's almost, I'm not saying he's a block to make the roster, but with what he's doing as a punt returner with what his relationship with, you know, John Fossil's come out and said that, hey, I've been hunting this guy for four years now at this point. Like, it would be shocking for me to not have him on the roster. But Dennis Houston's had a good camp. TJ Vasher's done some nice things in camp. I mean, is there a you know, is there a scenario where two of those three guys do make the roster if even if Michael Gallup doesn't go to pup? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is there's a scenario. My thing with Turpin is I just don't see how he's not on the roster from right. a standpoint of if he's not, well, his roster pot, spot still counts for somebody that's like him. So right. if it's if you tell me Cavante Turpin, if you're like, I'm going to fast forward to week one, Turpin's not on the roster. Well, then somebody that's somewhat like Cavante Turpin must have been right. traded for or signed from another team because they're in a spot now where you can't have CeeDee Lamb returning punts. He's too valuable on offense. You can't have Tony Pollard as your primary kickoff returner. He's too valuable on offense. Turpin fits into both spots and you can use them on some gadget plays in the offense, which again, going back to what I said earlier, you're going to need to hit some home runs with this offense. So why not have a handful of plays that where maybe he can be more successful than, you know, you rewind back to some of the ways that they use like a lucky whitehead, things like that, just like different wrinkles. I'm not saying he's going to be a major player on offense, but he just, he has so many things he brings to the table that nobody else on the roster really replicates. So he's on for, as far as I'm, I'd be stunned if he wasn't, Houston is one that just everybody raves about. So it would stun me if he's not. I mean, I'm talking from the coaches, front office, Dak, which obviously that's probably the most important one. So I would be really shocked if he's not on the team. Um, Vasher, the thing with Vasher with me is I like his size. He has the playmaking building. He had that big catch early in practice before the pads came on. I just haven't noticed him as much. I mean, uh, and then the other part is, is it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you're doing like a board with a race going on here, and much like the Will Greer, Cooper Rush, there's certainly days where you have Greer ahead of Rush. And then on other days, you're like, yeah, maybe Rush was a little bit better. At the wide receiver position, it just, while TJ Vasher got off to a hot start, it just, I, he started to trail right. Noah Brown and Simi Fajoko the farther down you went. And I just think they're keeping both of those guys. And so it gets to a point now where it's like, well, if you're keeping Fajoko and Houston, and CD lamb and Noah Brown and Turpin, like how many other receivers can you really keep there? Because also here's the other thing, like how much is TJ Vasher doing for you on special teams? You know, you're going to have to have somebody that's like a big help on special teams there too, as your wide receivers that aren't playing a ton. And so that's why I think he'll end up kind of being the odd man out there. But, and I'd be, I'd be really surprised if they have less than six receivers on that, on that 53 going into week one. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, Tight end and offensive tackle was we had it pretty much, you know, I think at some time this offseason we thought Jeremy Sprinkle was kind of a lock to almost make it, but it seems like Sean McHugh and Jake Ferguson and even Peyton Hendershot might have kind of passed him with, I know he was dealing with some injuries in camp and then didn't have a great, you know, showing, had some penalties um, the other night in the preseason game. So I think they stayed, you, know, you had three tight ends, I have three tight ends, you'd be shocked if they kept four. Yeah. I mean, the only way that I see them, I mean, if they keep four, it's because probably somebody like fossils, like is just sold on either a Hender shot or sprinkle, right. like needing them for special teams. And I mean, sprinkle did play in every single game last year. So that has to be factored in. Um, but I just think they're going to be two. They're going to need the numbers at, at defensive back at wide receiver on the defensive line that I just, I think that they're going to have to go with only three there. Um, and I think the other thing that helps them go with three is that, I think they feel really good about what they've seen so far from Jake Ferguson. And so, you know, cause there's a part when you draft him in the fourth round, you think like, okay, maybe he's the next Dalton Schultz, which is right. fine if it's Dal Dalton Schultz in year three or four, but I mean, Dalton Schultz's first two years, there were growing pains there. It took time where you really didn't want him to be a primary guy on the field. Whereas Ferguson looks like maybe he can help out a little bit there. So um, yeah, I guess it wouldn't surprise me if, if Sprinkle makes it. I just, when I was doing my 53, I was just like, there's just too many other positions that were just more important at the moment. This one was definitely the hardest one for, I mean, it's still early, don't get me wrong, but like normally cutting down 53, I'm like, oh, this is pretty easy. You got 10 defense alignment, 10 offense alignment, you know, and this one just, I, I went back and forth with a lot of these guys a lot. 
I want to ask you one question on the tight ends. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but we hear a lot about Sean McEwen. What does this team see in Sean McEwen? Because, I mean, he's been here for a couple of years, and, I mean, like he was almost handed that tight end two job, and I just I, – I, I don't see it, and I haven't seen it on the field. Maybe it's something in practice that you guys are going to see a lot more than us, but what do they love so much about Sean McEwen? I think there's a little bit of that Dennis Houston there where, you know, uh, I think when you watch like football, like, you know, especially as a fan on TV, you know, a lot of guys that are going to jump out to you are the guys that are making the big plays and you just assume everybody's in the right spot at the right time. And there's a lot of star players that aren't, they're just freak athletes that, you know, Hey, this guy ran the wrong route, but whatever route that he just ran, he's 10 yards by everybody. So I'm throwing him the ball. I mean, obviously you'd see it more in college and high school than you do in the pros, but there's certain guys that are just freak athletes like that. So when there's guys that are just kind of always in the right spot, they're solid blockers, things like that. Those are going to stand out at the tight end spot. But I'll tell you right now, more so than anything I saw in practice, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, the biggest selling point for Sean McHugh and I've seen this entire off season up until, you know, recording this podcast is that he was one of those guys with Dak in Miami. That surprised me a little bit. When I saw that, I was like, okay, because Dak's not going to waste his time right. bringing some guy out there that ain't going to be on the 53. Right. He's not going to bring a guy out there that's not going to factor in the offense, much less be on the 53. So I thought that was interesting how he was one of the guys, but it was Dak, Zeke, Jalen Tolbert. Um, i trying to think who the other one was. Oh, uh, McCune yeah, and Schultz. That's yeah. who it was, yeah. And obviously, you know, uh, if James Washington was healthy, he probably would have been out there. Right. Michael Gallup, if he was healthy, he would have been with them too. But when I saw McEwen out there, I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. That shows you yeah. really where they're at on that spot. So that probably told me more than anything I've seen at, at camp or in the preseason. Gotcha. All right, so offensive line is pretty simple. We talked about, you know, them bringing in somebody else. The only real question I went back and forth with is do they leave? Well, let's go on the initial 53 to try to bring him back this year. Is he just going to stay on – um, IR not be on the, you know, and miss this whole year like Josh Ball did last year. Um, is can he come? I mean, do you think he's got a chance to come back this year after getting shoulder? Has he gotten shoulder surgery yet? Like that, it's been a kind of a mystery. Yeah, I don't know if it's an issue where they just want the swelling to go down and they want to try and figure it out once they get back to, to Dallas on, on the best plan of attack. But like it's just been interesting here, Mike McCarthy, talk about it. And then you see, you still see Matt Wilesco walking around, you know, at the facility out there in Oxnard. And so I'm just kind of like, all right, so this isn't something you're going to do right away. Like maybe it is going to be a red shirt year for him. So right. I'd say off of the things I've heard and seen, I would think that it, it, I don't expect him to do much. And if he does, then that's just kind of a bonus thing. Right. Um, but I think that, I think he's going to ultimately need surgery. And if that's the case, you know, this guy that, is already going to have rookie growing pains to begin with. He's not going to be doing much, obviously game rep wise, while he's recovering from this shoulder surgery, you're trying to throw him out there. You're, you're using up a roster spot with him, like in week 10, 11, 12, like what, like, why wouldn't you just go add a, a veteran somewhere that, and, and it's not like you don't have the money to go add somebody that's released from another team, or even, you know, you make some type of a trade for somebody else. I don't think that this is like some luxury thing where you're just like, well, we right. don't want to just waste our money on some luxury offensive. No, you need this offensive tackle. So that's an, I just think it, it, it's going to end up being a red shirt year for, for well, let's go when, when all is said and done. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on him a ton for the, for this year. I think it's going to end up being something similar to the Josh ball situation. Gotcha. All right. Defensive lines where it got really tricky for me. I mean, you got guys like Carlos Watkins, Quentin Bohanna, Tristan Hill, Terrell Basham, um, I think that's the four guys that you're trying to decide who to pair with the obvious uh, six or seven others. Um, 
I'll I'll rapid fire it to you. Just yes or no. Terrell Basham on the 53. I don't have him on there just because of the fact that I think they're going to end up going young. Um, but yeah, him or Carlos Watkins are so like, yeah, I can make a case for and against. The reason I go against is just because of all the McCarthy draft and develop. If you're draft and develop and T- Terrell Basham isn't a guy that's like blowing you away, then he's keep he's in front of a guy that you want to be playing. That's a younger guy. That's an up and comer. You know, you're going to keep following you're keeping Lawrence. So if you're if you're keeping Basham out there, Who's he playing over? Are, are you playing him over Dorrance Armstrong? No. Are you, are, is he going to be a progress stopper for Sam Williams? No. Uh, so then what is he, your fifth rusher? You know, I mean, I, I think that Chauncey Golston can do some of that stuff if you need it. Like, I think Terrell Basham is more polished than a lot of the guys I just mentioned, but it gets to a point where if you're drafting develop, how many of these veterans are you keeping uh, in order in, that are going to be in playing in place of, of young guys for you? Yeah, and one of my arguments with this, too, is like, I, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a tough decision for them because I think I mean, it seems like Dan Quinn liked Terrell Basham last year. Like, he played quite a bit. He can kind of play on either side of the defensive line. He can play, you know, in a three-point stance and, a, you know, standing up as a rusher. So he's done a lot of different things for Dan Quinn. But you got Micah Parsons, who's also going to rush the passer plenty. you got Anthony Barr, who's probably going to fill in as a pass rusher plenty. So I feel like if they're going to go light, it'll be more likely at, defensive end than at defensive tackle um so I feel like if they're trying to pick and choose with who to move on from it goes okay we can move on from Terrell Basham and split his snaps between Parsons and Barr and keep Bohanna and Watkins maybe even so I think that's what kind of has the defensive tackles going in the favor but I mean again like it's just a tough it's a tough spot to be in because he played a lot last year they seem to like what he did but it's just that group is for the first time in a while, I feel like that group, it might not have the top end talent, but it's got depth to it, and it's going to be tough to cut it down, I think. Yeah, I mean, last year, Basham's going to play because really the rotation is right. going to be Basham, Dorrance Armstrong, Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence. Well, if you take Randy Gregory off the roster, you're replacing his roster spot with a Dante Fowler. You still kept Dorrance Armstrong. You still have Demarcus Lawrence, but then you added Sam Williams. So, And then you also feel really good about Chauncey Golston being able to play on the inside and the outside. So... Um, that's where I think that, you know, and Sam Williams is a guy that Dan Quinn liked a lot. I just find it hard to believe that he's going to want to be given Sam Williams snaps right. to Terrell Basham on top of like, as you mentioned, being able to rush bar, being able to obviously rush Micah a ton. And then at defensive tackle, you're just kind of like, well, if you keep Watkins, like how many D tackles are you ke- keeping? Like you don't need that many D tackles in today's NFL. Like I just, so if you're keeping Bohanna and Ridgeway and Neville Gallimore and, uh, Oso Diggy Zua and Tristan Hill and Carlos, that's, you know, you're talking six, seven tackles there. Like, I don't see why. And then also Chauncey Golsing and play defensive tackle. I don't see why you would have more than five of those guys. I don't need, I know why you would need six or seven. So right. maybe you can trade Tristan Hill. I've seen people float that out there. I don't know what his value would be. Obviously it wouldn't be a ton. Um, I thought Tristan Hill has actually looked pretty good in training camp. So I don't know that I'd be really running to get away from him. He obviously isn't costing you a ton. I'd, I'd want to see what he can do one more year. Um, I just, I don't know. I like the pass rush that he brings a little bit there. And also, I don't know. I feel comfortable with him. If, if a Neville Gallimore goes down or Osa goes down for a period of time and you need somebody that, I mean, he's had some, he's played some NFL football. He's got a little bit of pass rush to him. Like, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of want to keep him on the roster. So I don't know. Defensive tackle. I'm willing to go a little bit different direction there. I don't need to keep six, seven defensive tackles. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, Linebacker, pretty, you know, like I said, this is one of the few positions on this team this year. I feel like we look at and go, sweet, thumbs up. You know, it's hard, going to be hard to mess this one up. You got Micah, you got Layton, you got Anthony Barr, you got Devin Harper. Um, you also threw, so you you had 
you had five guys. I had six guys. You said something about having Gifford on possibly with one of the red shirt PUP, you know, maybe if they have an extra spot or hanging around, it would be Luke Gifford. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on Malik Jefferson. They, they brought him in kind of late in this offseason. I thought he looked pretty decent in the preseason game the other night. I mean, like a lot of guys, he had some ups and some downs, but I thought, you know, he's a higher ceiling six linebacker who can play special teams. He's fast. He's got size. Did, does he got a shot or do you think if they keep six, it would be Gifford over Jefferson just because of the familiarity? Yeah, I think he, I think he's fine. Um, I don't know that he's going to come in there and make any like huge plays if he had right. to come in on a Sunday. So because of that, I think you're going to lean towards whoever's going to help you more on special teams. I just feel like they'll probably be more comfortable with Gifford. Uh, you know, and that's where I think a Gifford, a Devin Harper is going to make their money. Um, but if fossil thinks that Malik Jefferson can be, you know, a major player on special teams for them by some chance, then yeah, he could be in the mix. I just think if they keep six, I think, I think that six guy is either Gifford or Harper. So if you want to keep five, I think, again, it comes down to either Gifford or Harper for that last spot. And I think they like Harper enough that I think he's got a pretty good chance of making it. So, and Gifford was the guy that they used last year. So I, I think that that's what it pretty much comes down to there. And I, I didn't mention Jabril Cox, obviously he's back healthy and well, he was back healthy, banged up, you know, a little bit banged up, but we think he'll be ready, ready for the regular season. Um, I'm telling you, man, like Dem- <laughs> when Jerry Jones brought up Damone Clark when we were out at training yeah. camp, like one day, he brings him up and he calls him the LSU linebackers. It's so funny. So so this is towards the end of us talking to him for about 10, 15 minutes. And so we all go to leave and we're back in this like 10 area, like, you know, typing up stories and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I said to uh, Clarence Hill, the forward star telegram, like, Hey, you know, when he, and this is after he talked about like 10 different, 15 different things to go, Hey, you know, when he said LSU linebacker, I think we all assumed he was talking about Jabril Cox because Jabril Cox went to LSU, but I go, do you think he was talking about Damone Clark? And literally the room was completely split. Like, like probably five to five on like who he was talking about. So the next day it was, I think it was the next day. Yeah. Jerry was signing autographs and, and me and Clarence were standing by him and Clarence goes, Hey, when you were talking about LSU linebacker the other day, we're talking about Clark or, or, or Jabril Cox. And he goes, Oh, I was talking about Clark, Damone Clark. Yeah. I think he's got a chance or whatever like that. And like, I immediately like, like, you know, I had deleted my tweet the other day because there's so many people are like, I don't think he's talking about Cox. I think he's talking about Damone Clark's right. Cause he was talking about his leadership and all these different things like that. And I was kind of like, man, I don't know about that. I, so he was talking about Damone Clark. He thinks he's going to have a chance to, to wow. be back sooner than people think. I think he starts the season, you know, where he is on that right now in the NFI. Um, but they seem to think that there's a chance he can come back and do something. And, and that would be wild because if he comes back this year and he plays as well as he did at LSU, I mean, that's a, that's a huge steal. Yeah. And my, my co-host Mark, he, I mean, he loved Damone Clark. I loved him too coming out. Um, he always brings up when we bring him up, like he did all of his testing at the combine with the herniated, you know, like they found that at the combine. So like he ran as fast as he did, he jumped as high, like he did all that stuff with that herniated disc that he had to get surgery, you know, had to get the sports hernia surgery done on. So like, it's impressive what he was able to do with that. So you imagine what he could do when he gets back healthy and into shape. And then the other thing was like the first time talking to him in the locker room, after they had drafted him, it was after, it was after one of the rookie minicamp practices, obviously he wasn't doing much. And he was talking about how he had never had any injuries throughout his football right. career. And this wasn't even something he thought was wrong. You know, right. he had been playing with it. Like you said, he did those drills and things like that. So this isn't like some guy where obviously you see in the draft process, a lot of guys are like, man, it always seems to be something always injured, but right. especially with a linebacker, then it gives you concerns. Like, is it going to be one thing after this guy's had nothing, you know, there's no concerns there. So, I mean, as much as Jerry will annoy me with some of the second round gambles he makes in the draft for whatever uh, off the field or injury reasons, like 
this could be one of the gambles that ends up really paying off for him. And obviously it's nowhere near the second round investment. That's, right. Players. That's where you make your gambles. Right. Right. Day three. <laughs> but, um, but no, and, I mean, and I'll be honest with you. The thing I always, I always complain to the other writers about, I'm fine. You can make those gambles in the first round, the second round, whatever. Show me some track record, right? Show me something where they're panning out. Show me, show yep. me this, you know, I mean, you bring this stuff up to Jerry, man. He starts throwing out Des Bryant and Charles Haley. <laughs> and I'm just kind of looking around like, was that last week or something like you're going to you're what you're doing now in 2022 and going yeah. forward is going to hinge on what you how 94. you guys were able to get Haley from the 49ers like man okay yeah no kidding no kidding so you talked about gambles and that's where I wanted to go next um I went ahead and left and again I know it's I know it's a hot take but I kind of went ahead I I didn't put Calvin Joseph on my 53 man roster it, I mean, it was it was getting tight. We we talked about how these positions were tight, and I had them keeping uh, five corners. I had them keeping, you know, obviously the top three: Trayvon Diggs, Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, Nashawn Wright. I gave the, the nod to just because I think that from what I've heard and what people seem to say is he's going to be, you know, in the meeting rooms early and be one of the first people in, last people to leave. He's going to take it serious. Um, and then, you know, I, I think Deron Bland, the rookie this year, his played well he played well in the preseason game you know and he might be the fourth corner on this roster but with some of the positions I ended up going deeper at and safety was one of them we'll get to that in a second I I didn't have a spot for Kelvin Joseph and I wanted to ask you that was one of my questions I really wanted to get to you is I mean Dan Quinn was his big supporter at draft time you know they, they stuck by him but has that kind of run out at this point where the stuff you know with the murder investigation even though he was Nothing happened there. He wasn't charged with anything, wasn't really investigated, but that attached to not playing so great in camp, not playing so great in preseason, and maybe just not taking it as serious as I think some people want him to. Could that have his time end rather quickly in Dallas? So I think it's bigger than Dan Quinn with Kelvin Joseph. I I think that um, he has one of the best people you can have on your side in the NFL. And that's Jerry Jones. When it comes to second chances, nobody loves giving a second chance more than Jerry Jones. And so because of that, I think that Jerry really likes to go out of it. Not think I know Jerry likes to go out of his way to really show that like, you know, I was able to, you know, I mean, it goes back for, so, I mean, just, and I'm not talking nineties, I'm talking about just since I've covered the team with so many of these David Irving, you know, Randy Gregory, Greg Hardy's and, and, I hate to, I hate when I mention them all together because it makes people think that they all had like a same right. issue or something. And it's not, they're all, it's all different things. Some far worse than others, you know, but it's just one of these very Jerry Jones things, you know? Uh, so I think because of that, I think he'll end up being on the roster, but if you're just watching off the practices preseason stuff like that, he hasn't shown you anything to make you think that he's better than Jerron Bland. And he right. hasn't shown you anything to make you think that, you know, he's better than, obviously not Trayvon Diggs or Anthony Brown or Jordan Lewis. So it's like, you're, you're competing for the fifth corner spot with nation, right. You know, like, is that what they drafted you for in the second round? And, and, you know, have gotten your back with the off the field stuff. Like this is, you know, the second round, like you're just not seeing the return on that. Like you're not seeing, you know, really flashes of big plays and things like that. And then the one that probably bothered me the most of what I've seen from training camp and, and preseason is, is just that offsides on that 57 yard field goal. Killed I mean, me. that's the type of thing, man. If you're a guy that's on the bubble, that, that'll get you cut. I mean, yeah. that's like, you, that's inexcusable. Like you cannot be doing simple things like that, like lining up wrong. I mean, it just, it can't happen. And so he's going to be a guy that he obviously has to play a lot on special teams. Uh, so I do think he ends up making the roster. I also think it eventually some type of suspension is going to come down. I don't know how many games it'll be, but 
Um, They're probably rooting for, for that at this point, wouldn't you think? Well, yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they could be. Um, I just, anytime Jerry was asked about it in training camp, he was very uh, hesitant to say that he's heard anything from the NFL, right. which does not mean he hasn't heard anything. It's just nothing he wanted to say publicly on or off the record. Um, so that'll be an interesting situation there. That's also a reason why I think it's safe to say you keep six corners, you keep right, which, I mean, I don't see why you'd move on from right yet. I mean, he didn't play well on Saturday, but he's got their ideal size. There's going to be some growing pains. If that guy's your fifth corner, I think you're, I think you're, you're happy with it just because of the tools and what he could potentially be. Um, so, yeah, so I think Joseph's on it, but to your point with you not having him on it, like off of what I've watched, if you're just going by what you've watched it, yeah, that's not like, you're not, you're not crazy for, for having that that way at all because he, he just, he hasn't jumped out enough. Right. Now just, I went back and forth with, I was like, do I keep, cause if I, if I keep Joseph, I'm keeping, you know, if I keep Joseph and CJ Goodwin, that's seven corners and that becomes a lot. <laughs> so Well, I, the only reason I, I mean, I'm a huge Goodwin fan. Cause again, this goes back to as much as it, you know, there's this stuff on the field, like going back to the Cooper rush thing, like the more you cover these teams, you more, more, you like, you know, you know that these relationships matter, like a Cooper Rush with a Kellen Moore, uh, you know, Cooper with Dak Prescott, Cooper just being around the team. There's a lot of that with CJ Goodwin too. I mean, he is a face of that special teams unit and that's a special teams unit that every year has a lot of turnover. He's like the one constant. He's right. like another coach with John Fossil. And then because of the way they did last year with the, with the initial 53, where he was a vested veteran. So he wasn't on it, but then they were able to sign him to the roster. Like, I just think that they'll do that again. So that's why I didn't have him part of it. But like, I just don't see them at a spot right now where they're ready to just move on from him and then have another guy. Set. Like, I think you do need like a core special teams leader like that. And I think he clearly is the guy that, that leads that unit is the face of it. And I also point to that because let's be honest, since John Fossil's taken over the special teams and CJ's had that role, like the special teams every year has gotten better and it wasn't always great here. Uh, if you just go back three, four years ago, it was one of the worst special teams units in the NFL. So I get it on, on the large scope of things. When you're, when you're picking a 53, you care most about who's going to have help you on offense and defense. But like, I don't know. I still think CJ Goodwin's very valuable to the team. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's been a, I don't, I know they don't make pro bowl special teamers, but he's been of that caliber every year. Um, I kept five safeties. I want to say you did as well with Jay Rockers, yeah. Malik Hooker, um, Marquis Bell, Donovan Wilson. And um, who am I missing? Uh, Israel Mukwama. Israel Mukwama. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think Bell's kind of got the J. Ron Curse light role in Dan Quinn's mind right now, where he can come down in the box, can play around the line of scrimmage, can move around, can can line up against tight ends. I think that that's kind of his vision for him, and he seems to be handling that well. Um, I don't know if you do you have anything you want to add on Bell. I, I've kept you longer than I told you I would, so I don't want to keep. Oh you no, going. that's fine. No, no, no worries. Uh, just the big thing with Bell is that you do notice him when you're at practices. And he's another guy that, you know, it's when you're, when you're a reporter and you're asking questions, I mean, there's a certain way, like the longer you do it, that you just ask questions differently because you don't want to give them the answers. You want them to give you the answers. Right. So I would say with bell and Dennis Houston, when you talk to people, it's, it's not about when you ask about bell or Houston, it's about when you're just asking about something else and the, and the people in decision-making roles, people in coaching roles, teammates, people that matter are bringing up their names constantly when they're not even being asked about. And I don't know, you just, you, you just start noticing those things. And again, it's not off of one interview. It's not over talking to one person. Just the more you're talking to people, the more you hear things, the more you see things, you're just kind of like, Oh yeah, this guy. 
oh yeah, this guy's got a chance. Like, yeah, I understand he was undrafted, but I, I don't know, man. I think they really like this guy. And I would put Peyton Hendershot is in there too, where I think he's really impressed people when, when I'm talking about the uh, undrafted guys. So, and it, I mean, Hey, they might have three or four guys that are undrafted that end up making this roster. And, and if, I mean, if they are able to do that, I mean, that, that makes your roster, your draft class, even more impressive uh, because a lot of teams don't, aren't able to do that. So that would be huge. If, if Bell ends up being the guy they think he is, and if Dan Quinn thinks he has a chance to be like a J Ron curse, who J Ron curse was in a high draft pick, man, what a, what a great get that would be for him. Cause yeah, I haven't heard anything but positive things about, about Marquis Bell. Yeah. And I kind of lumped Marquis Bell and Peyton Hendershot, a name you just mentioned in, and like the same, my little quote underneath the, the position was, these are two guys that I don't think they want to risk getting stolen from them. You know, they don't want to, they don't want them to get poached. So I don't think they're going to try to get them through waivers and get them on the practice squad. And I said, I think they'll keep one, whether it's Hendershot or Bell, we'll see what happens. I mean, they're both relatively good at that set at the position. So it's not like they need one of them over the other because of position, but I think one of them will make the roster. I think Dan Quinn might get a say there. Um, now finish it off. Like I said, I hate to keep you longer than I told you, but Brett Maher, um, the kicker situation. You had Brett. I had Liram. Um, I kind of – I submitted mine on Monday. I want to say Monday night, and it came out today. So, I listened to y'all's show today and all of your points you made on why you probably would say it's 50-50, but you'd prefer Maher. I kind of went, yeah, maybe I should have went with Maher too because, like you guys were talking about on your show today, um, you know, if you're going to – not feel great about your kicker position, at least have the one with a stronger leg that when kickoffs come around, you're kicking out of the back of the end zone every time and not having the special team struggle show up on kickoff return as well. So I think that that makes a ton of sense and could give Maher the advantage in that battle if it is as close as we think it can be. Yeah, and I think for a lot of people that follow the Cowboys, it's because things didn't go well when Brett was with the Cowboys before. If he was coming just from the Saints right now, um, I think people would probably feel a little bit better about him, but from what I had heard that day that they worked out those four kickers, the day they end up re- releasing Garibay, that was the thing. Like not only was Maher the most accurate out of that group, but he had the strongest leg and that matters. That's obviously something that, uh, not just for kickoffs, but obviously on, on long field goals, late in halves, late in games, things like that. Um, that could end up being the difference. So with that being said, <laughs> last Saturday in Denver, did nothing to help us with the situation. Uh, there's no way you can judge on that 56 yarder, which I'll give you the one thing you can judge off of is that that snap and hold was terrible. And we had seen plenty of that in training camp. So that wasn't like, that was an outlier. So that's concerning. Like you, you hope the operation's perfect when you're trying to figure out one of these kicker battles. So that's not why they're being decided on. Um, also that operation thing is not why Garibay got released. Um, but uh, I'm just saying it hasn't been perfect. So that wasn't, that big of a surprise to see that, but you also don't want a guy coming in that situation and that's how you're going to decide it. So I think there'll be more opportunities, these, these final two preseason games and how they do in those games, I think is what's going to ultimately decide it. So I think if Maher, as long as he takes care of business on extra points, maybe mixes in a couple long field goals in there, I just think he'll end up, he'll end up edging them out, uh, uh, edging out Lerum. But if you told me Lerum made it when, when surprised me, I mean, he's clearly been their most consistent since training camp started. He has consistency, especially on like the, you know, 35 and, and 40 and in kicks and stuff like that. It's the longer stuff. It's been a little bit, uh, a little bit more erratic, but I don't think either of these guys is, is a front runner right now. I think it is 50, 50 coin flip. And uh, if you just tell me who, who does better in these next two special teams games, I'll tell you, that's probably the guy that makes the team. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I appreciate all the time. Like I said, I've kept you a little long, but, um, this was a lot of fun and 
I, th I think I'm going to close you with another one word, but if you had to describe your 53 man roster that you're predicting, what would that one word be that kind of describes the, uh, the 53 in total? Oh man, there's, yeah, I can't think of one where it's a work in progress. I'll put it that way. That's probably the best way I can come around with it. Cause I just, it's my initial 53, but there's just, there's going to be a lot of moving parts in it. And, and, and I think for at very least there should be an offensive tackle added, but I think that there will probably be another player somewhere else added, whether maybe it's a, maybe it's a veteran wide receiver that gets cut by another team or something like that. That's like a number three, four type guy. Um, I don't think that they're completely done. I don't buy the whole, we got 20 million in cap space because of signing practice squad and free agents. And we can roll it over to next year. Like I think they're going to end up doing something with it. And it's not going to necessarily be anything that blows you away. Right. You know I mean? Uh, I don't know, like if people probably weren't blown away by them adding Anthony Barr when they did, it'll be on that level of type thing, but I don't think that they're done uh, with this roster just yet. So that's why I look at my 53 and I think it's just kind of a work in progress right now. You said something, uh, it's probably been a couple of months at this point, but you're like, man, I want to say it was you on about them Cowboys podcast, but you, uh, you kind of described this team as boring. I think it was kind of heading into the camp. Maybe you didn't use the word boring, but you were just like, there's nothing. <laughs> right. It is like, that's what I, when I, when I finished typing out mine, I went, man, this roster is just boring. Like there's nothing like your biggest excitement is dishing out between Carlos Watkins, Quentin Bohanna and Terrell Basham. And like, that's just, when you're talking about that, it's nothing. And, and that's not to say the roster is bad. It's just, there's nothing about it this year that really excites you. And, and I think that that is kind of why the fan base is as negative as they are right now about the team. Cause there's just nothing to get super excited about. Yeah. The best thing that I, I feel like that the team has going for them is that Dak has been moving great and he looks like he is back completely healthy um, because those first five or six games last year, you know, he was playing at, at an elite level. And so if he gets back to that, I mean, let's be honest, that quarterback can cover up for a lot of different things, Absolutely. you know, whether it's your offensive line, whatever. I do think the defense is going to be a lot better at just going into a training camp, you know, since, go, since, you know, following the team, covering the team since 2011, there just hadn't been a training camp where I felt like I was, there was a, like, not, not the least amount of interest, but the, the least amount of like kind of anything to really get super excited about because a lot of the key pieces that you need to step up, you've kind of seen the, a big sample size from them, whether it be, you know, Zeke or Tony Pollard or even CD or Schultz or, or Dak. So, and then, and then you look on the other side of the ball and you're just like, well, how much better can Micah really be? And you still lost in the wild card round, you know? So um, I think the defense can be better. I think the team can be better. Um, they're going to need to be fortunate in the injury department. They're going to need some breaks to go their way. They're going to have to be more disciplined, uh, certainly than they were last year and what we saw in that first preseason game. But no, I mean, it, this has every bit the making to be a very similar team to last year that potentially could be playing their best ball at the end of the year, as opposed to the way that they were playing. So when I say boring, like, I don't mean that I think that, you know, that they're just going to be like some bottom of the half right. team or something like that. I mean, it obviously helps them during the NFC East. I think that they're going to be very similar to last year. Um, but there's just like a lot of things that I still need to see for me to think that, all right, they can get back to that wild card round and be hot enough and be in good enough shape and clicking and playing it the right way to where you're like, man, maybe they can make a run, you know? Cause I felt like they were set up last year. Great to make a run with how many guys were coming back. You're getting Gallimore was getting back then, you know, Lawrence, Micah was playing great ball. You finally got Dak back, you know, Gallup right before he got hurt. You're just like, man, this is setting up perfect for them. You know, they're going to get to host their a playoff game. They're going to get, you know, the 49. Well, at the time, you didn't even know it was going to be 49ers. You're just like, man, they're probably not going to have to face like a Brady or anybody like that early on. 
Yeah, we're not going to have to go to probably go to Green Bay. Like it just looked like it was going to be the perfect thing. So because of that, and then you lose, you you part ways with CD Lamb. I mean, with Amari Cooper, Lyle Collins, Randy Gregory, Cedric Wilson, and you don't do a lot to add to it. It's just hard for you to like go and get on that flight out to Oxnard and be like, oh yeah, there's something here. This is going to be different. Like you're just kind of like, I think this is just going to be a continuation of last year. So I guess we'll see. Oh, that's a great way to describe it. And, and again, that's why I always appreciate following you along, reading your stuff, listening to your stuff, because I feel like you give an honest perspective on it and you don't sugarcoat a whole lot of things. And that's all I ask for is for people to stop sugarcoating things for it, because that's what we got Jerry for. And he does a good job at it. So we just need some realism out in the world and, and you give it to us, man. Yeah, I just I don't want to be the beaten down guy. There's too right. many people that have covered the Cowboys for a long time that are the beaten down guy that everything is the most negative. They're always right. trying to find the like because there are a lot of positives with this team, especially sure. when you're a guy like me. You grew up in Detroit. You've seen the worst football football can be played for a long period of time. But then there's also the party there like, yeah, I was also a kid watching the Cowboys in the 90s. And that's a long time ago. And this this franchise has too much investment, whether it's from fans, uh, the money, the resources, uh, just everything about them, that there should never be the 26 year drought that they've had. So I try not to be the super critical guy, but you cannot avoid what the last 26 years have been and act like, oh no, everything's going great here. Just get in line. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. I think there's, there's certainly things to be criticized here. Sure. Just talk about the good when it's good. Talk about the bad when it's bad and be realistic, man. That's what I tell people all the time. <laughs> well, John, this was great. I appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Sorry I kept you so long. Make sure you follow John's work on the athletic. Make sure you listen to the about them Cowboys podcast with John KT, Kent Garrison. Um, it's just you three guys now, right? It is, but then we'll have like Saad Yusuf will jump on right. sometimes like during the season, David Hellman's been jumping on with us. So we, we try and mix it up and have some like other guests on, but generally every episode that I can think of, I feel like every single one, no matter if it's after a game or during the week, it's always, you know, me, KT and, and, and Kent are on all of them. Yeah. Hel- Hellman's been a recent visitor on there recently. I thought he thought he joined the team, but I guess he's still, <laughs> he's still just hopping in from time to time, but John, again, appreciate you so much. Thanks again. Make sure you guys are following John's work. Make sure you turn in every week to listen to the Talking the Star podcast and all the other shows on the Blogging Boys Podcast Network. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks again, John. We'll see you guys next time.